Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. do a quick quiz. I don't need you to write it down. I want you to actually yell it out. I'm going to put people's faces on the screen. So let's have the quiz. And when a face comes on the screen, I want you just to yell out who it is. So first picture. Okay, who is he? Sorry? Evangelist? Okay. Next picture. Who is he? Okay. Next picture. Who is she? Okay. Next picture. I'm going to try to fly through this. It's a lot louder from the youth section on that one. So who is he? Evangelist. <laughs> Sorry. That was beautiful. All right. Who is he? Famous singer. All right. Next. Jolstein. Who's he? Cautious. This man has saved more lives than most of us in the room. We have to be careful how we talk about God's people. Next one. Who's he? Singer. Composer. Here's what I want to talk to you about. You have said, I've asked you who are they, and you described every one of them by what they do, not who they are. right? Not one of us said who they were. You told me what they did. Now, the understanding is this as well. Most of you can't tell me who they are because you don't know them. A handful of you in the room might know Justin from a long time ago, but you don't know him today. We only know what we hear I'm actually amazed as I read on a lot of these people who they are and their hearts. But I want to talk to you this morning about roadblocks that stop us from witnessing to unbelievers. How many teenagers, you're all here, I'm going to ask you and then I'll talk to your parents for a minute. How many of you have been told that if you hang out with the wrong crowd, people are going to assume you do the exact same thing as them? How many of you? Put your hand. If you're not going to embarrass your parents, they all know they've told you. All right? Now, hear me as I'm about to continue my message. It's true. Now, how many parents in the room, you have been told, growing up, who you hang out with is who people will assume you are. And this is why we've told our kids, right? Great parenting. I do it with my kids. But the problem is this. It has stopped us from witnessing. It has stopped you from sharing Jesus with other people. It has stopped us because here's what we have to realize. Because we are so concerned that if we hang out with the wrong people, people in the church will think we're living the same way as them.
if I don't hang out with unbelievers, how do I influence them to follow and fall in love with Jesus? Your prayers, don't get me wrong, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. Because they're only come to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. I know that. But if I actually don't step into their lives, how will they know? Do you know how many Christians, non-Christians know? And most of them that they know, when they find out they're Christians, it shocks them because of how much we complain, how negative we are, how much we backbite each other, and how much we criticize others. When you go into a restaurant today, a lot of people don't want to serve Christians because we're the highest demanding and the lowest tipping. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. We should be the most easygoing, the most loving, and the highest tipping. And not one of those like folded 20s that when you actually open it up, it's a track and not a $20 bill. If you're going to do that, leave a $50 bill with it. We warn our kids so it's in our heads. We cannot hang out with them because what will other people think? Now, we have to be cautious. Teenagers, this is where you have to be cautious. And adults, this is where you need to be cautious. Who is influencing who? That's the line. Okay? If you struggle with something, don't hang out with people that are doing it. But once you have moved past it and you have the spirit living in you and you know that you're not going to fall into that sin anymore, you can be an influence in it. People ask me all the time, Chad, why don't you drink? And my response is not a biblical response. My response is, I drank enough already in my life. I remember who I was. I remember who I am without Jesus. That allows me to go, I am no better than my neighbor. Yes, I understand that scripture tells us once we accepted Jesus, we're no longer sinners. But if you're honestly trying to tell me that you don't sin, you are lying to yourself. And nobody, no unbeliever will come near you because you're holier than thou. And the Bible actually tells us we all sin. Paul, I am the worst of them all. Paul. We have to get off our holy high horse and realize that we've been placed here to share the gospel. I ask you, who do you have in your life that is unsaved? We need to love the lost. How do you expect to share Jesus with somebody if you actually don't love them? Yeah, but Chad, they do this and this and this. They don't believe in Jesus. Why would they live up to a biblical standard that most of us can't live up to when they haven't even signed up for it? That's like asking them to pay your mortgage, but they don't live in your house. 
How many of you, when you read the word of God, have a hard time living up to it? Please, come on. How many? If you're not raising your hand, you are in the house of the Lord. <laughs> this is, I'll tell you right now, when, when I say that and you're kind of hesitant to raise your hand, this is what stops us from sharing the gospel. Can I confess to you? Sometimes I yell at my kids. Sometimes Melissa and I have discussions. <laughs> Isn't that what we call it in the church? Oh, we don't fight. We, we discuss things. Please. Most likely your neighbors know you have discussions. If we're real with people, do you know what non-believers pick up on really fast? Phonies. Phonies. Do you know that if, if you came and played ball with me on my ball team, first off, you'd probably leave the dugout because of some of the language that's spoken in there. And afterwards, when they say, hey, beer kitties at so-and-so's house, Who's coming? You might be shocked that I say, I'll be there. Can you text me the address? Now, for all of you in the room, don't forget I just said I don't drink. I stop and get a Timmy's and I have a bottle of water. But I'm there. I'll walk into places that some of you would probably question if you saw me walk into. It's not that I enjoy the atmosphere, but I see what Jesus did. If I don't go where they are, they are not coming where I am. I think I've told you this before. If one Sunday I stand up here in a red Phillies ball t-shirt, it's because I've told my ball team, if any one of them decide to walk through these doors, they just need to text me and tell me they're coming and I will speak in my jersey. Because I would rather upset you and make one of them feel comfortable. Because I believe as I look through the room, most of you are going to heaven. <laughs> Pastor Carlos said it beautifully this morning. We come together to encourage one another. I'm banking on the fact that you are going to heaven. So you know what that means? This is to encourage you, but it's not really for you. This is for your neighbor. This is you loving your neighbor and saying to your neighbor, as you advertise and you tell them, my church is going to two services, and they tell you of another church in town that I've heard of that's closing their doors. It's heartbreaking for me to find out that other churches are closing their doors. But can I tell you something? I was up north, and I was talking to an older gentleman at this camp, and he told me how he just went to, he just started going to another church in his town because his church closed the doors. And he told me he remembers them having a conversation that they had to switch the way they did church because people weren't coming. There was no young families. And he remembers them making the decision that they were okay with not changing. And he said it took three years and the doors closed. I get to stand here 
and do what I do because of so many of you that have prayed and sacrificed for this church. It was exciting for me to see those banners go up on the outside of this building. And I know it was because so many of you have prayed and sacrificed and gave to this church. I want to tell you what these pieces of paper and those banners do for me. They humble me. The fact, I tell people this all the time, and and I say it, and I mean it, it just comes out as a joke. The fact that I get to stand here and speak every Sunday and that we're actually growing allows me to realize that God still speaks through donkeys and that he will speak through any one of us and he will use us. We are not growing because of something that we do. We're growing because of Jesus Christ. But the only way The only purpose of us going to multiple services is not so you guys have elbow room. If that was the reason, I will sweat through one shirt on a Sunday, not two. I'm not giving you elbow room. I'm giving you friend room. You notice if you've read the banners, you'll see two different signs. I don't know how much you've paid attention to the banners, but they say different things. The banners that are in the building that you see says, who are you bringing? We're asking you, who are you bringing? The banners on the outside of the building for everybody driving by says we're making room for them. We're going to have postcards done up that you can take and just walk down your street and put them in mailboxes and put them in doors. And all we're asking you to do is pray over them because a postcard is nothing. We all know that. A postcard is nothing. But a postcard covered in prayer, that can change your life. But you need to start praying now. You need to go for a walk with your dog, go walk with your spouse, go walk with your kids, go walk by yourself and pray over your neighborhood. We actually probably will have, I think, next Sunday, 100 signs gotten into the election debate here. You know the signs you stick on your yard? We're going to have 100 of them that match the signs on the front of our church. You can stick them right on your lawn. So when people drive by and wondering who you're voting for, it says Bethel Church. <laughs> Multiple services starting October 7th. And somebody's going to walk up to you and say, why are you going to multiple services? Well, we're full. You're full? That church is closing. Yep. Why? Jesus. Do you know how many people I've talked to? In our community, non-believers that just know me and they say, you just happen to ask, hey, Chad, how's the church going? Because they see what's happening in town. I say, well, actually, we start two services in October. Why? We're full. What? And it gauges them immediately. Because in their lives, God's not doing anything. When they see churches closing, they know, oh, see, this God thing is going away. God is so doing things today. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. When we fear men, when I fear what you think more than what God thinks, we're in trouble. You're in trouble. When your fear of what other people in the church think stops you from sharing Jesus Christ with somebody else, stops you from hanging out with somebody that's a non-believer, we're in some serious trouble. 
And you know what? The Lord will protect you. He will protect you. Don't let the fear of man stop us from being great witnesses and showing people who Jesus is. It's interesting, sometimes we're afraid if we get involved in people's lives that their struggles will become our struggles. They will influence us. Can I tell you something? You have to be careful. But just remember, when Jesus walked the earth, the spiritual leaders of the day would send anybody with leprosy or anybody unclean out of the town. Wouldn't want them near because they were fearful of getting what they had. You know what Jesus did? He walked up to them and he touched them. And you know what happened? They got influenced. He didn't get influenced. He influenced them. Their lives were changed because Jesus went and touched their lives. He interacted with them. He was part of their life. We need to be a part of people's lives. We need to engage the world. Proverbs 14, 17 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. When we fear the Lord more, we can help turn people from death. We can lead them to Jesus Christ. Now, can I tell you something? I am not talking about you finding a neighbor and creating a project. I mean genuinely loving people. I mean 10 years from now, they still haven't given their heart to the Lord and you're still a part of their life because you actually love them. They're not a project. They're not something to get done. You actually are a part of their life. When was the last time you invited a non-church person to your house. Not to get them saved, not for a small group, not for a prayer meeting, just to hang out. Just for a cup of coffee. Just for dinner. Just to watch the game. When was the last time? When was the last time we interacted with non-believers? Matthew 9 Starting at verse 9 says this, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he rose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I always think it's funny that they separate tax collectors and sinners. It's like their own category. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love in verse 10 that it says, but it happened. Now it happened. As Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him. When was the last time you went and sat down somewhere and all of a sudden all these sinners just so like, I'm going to hang out with that guy. <laughs> the people that were most unconnected with Jesus, the ones that had the least in, in common with him are the ones that were drawn to him. 
Do you know how much love he just projected? So many times we'll walk into a restaurant, we'll walk down a street, and we will see people, and we will actually avoid them because of whatever's going on in their life. Do you know that Jesus would probably understand my statement, not talk to you and go talk to them? We need to be Jesus. We need to love on all these people. Luke 7, 34 says, The Son of Man has come, the Son of Man come eating and drinking, and they say, Look at the glutton and wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is Jesus quoting what other people have said about him. When was the last time somebody accused you of doing something negative? Because you were witnessing. When was the last time somebody questioned your lifestyle because of who you hung out with, but you were trying to lead them to Jesus? You actually weren't doing anything wrong. What we need to realize is even on a Sunday morning when we open up these altars that you can come and receive prayer, many of us don't come forward because we're too worried about what other people are thinking. And the reason we think that is because we think it when other people go. I'm going to be talking after the service with anybody who wants to talk about cleansing stream. And one of the best things I love about their retreat is kind of their rule that they ask everybody is when they do an altar response at the end of each one of their teaching sessions, that everybody comes forward. Everybody gets in a line and they take their turns coming up for prayer. Not one person stays in their seat. Basically, if you stay in your seat, that's when you almost get looked at. Why are you sitting there? You probably should come forward for pride. But we judge each other, therefore we believe others judge us. I don't know about you, but anytime I'm in a service where I'm not leading and I can just receive prayer, you want to know where you'll find me? Receiving prayer. There was a day when the front of the church was where you got close to God. Not where sinners just went. The front of the church, yes, and see, we taught for so long that God will impact you here the same as he can impact you at your house. And I believe that. I've just had too many experiences at the front of a church where God has encountered and changed my life that I'll go here because of what he does. I believe he can do it at my house, but I've just had way too many encounters with God where somebody else is interceding on my behalf. See, the enemy likes to tell us, you can just do this on your own at home. Anybody watch the Discovery Channel? Anybody watch those shows where it shows, like, lions killing other animals? Nobody wants to really, like, I get popcorn and cheer. No, it's like, <laughs> sorry, I don't. <laughs> but which one do they go after? The weakest one at the back. Not saying for that anybody sitting at the back. <laughs> but that's where they go. They don't go for the middle of the herd where all the strong ones are, where they're all together. They wait for that tired one that's by themselves, slowly going behind, and they go, dinner. That's why the Bible tells us that the enemy prowls around like a lion. Just to be clear, 
The Bible doesn't say that the enemy is a lion. It says he prowls like a lion. The only one that's in the Bible that is a lion, it says that Jesus is a lion of Judah. Just to separate those two. Sometimes we get that verse mixed up. Like a lion is not a lion. It's like a lion. Sorry, two cents. We need to be together. But we also have to realize that we need each other. Do you know that when I need to be stronger in my walk with God, when I need to be stronger in any area of my life, the first thing I try to do is find people to help me? Because I've done a lot of things in my life on my own. You want to know what usually happens? It goes wrong. It goes sideways. Or I have to do it over again. We need one another. We need each other. Stop worrying about what other people say. The other roadblock that people have is what's the difference between love or where do we draw the line between love and approval? How many people are you worried sometimes? Yeah, but where do I draw the line if I love them so much that they'll think I approve? I've heard that statement so many times. Well, Chad, where do I draw the line? You know, the Bible doesn't talk about me drawing lines. It talks about me loving. And if I live my life the best I can, the way God has asked me to live my life, can I tell you with all the non-believers that I hang out with, nobody ever asks me, hey, Chad, are you okay with this? They know. They know. You want to know how they know? Most of them don't want to do it. But they don't have any friends that don't. told this story before, so forgive me, but I'm telling the ones that don't know it in the room. I played hockey with a bunch of non-believers every Sunday night after church in Strathroy. Don't worry, I never left early. Ish. But I made it to play hockey. And what they noticed was I responded differently. I took a stick in the face within the first few weeks that I was there, put four stitches right through my eyebrow. I started wearing my shield after that. But what they said to me when I came back, they said, so what's different about you? We started asking questions. You're a preacher in town? You're a minister in town? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why? Well, when you got hit in the face, you didn't swear, you didn't throw anything, and you didn't try to punch anybody. I like, thank you, Lord, for changing my heart. <laughs> Months later, a guy is going through, his, his wife leaves him, and I see his name on my phone, and I don't know who it is, and we're just having a family time together. So I'm like, I'm not answering the phone. And then it clues in, it clicks with me. That's that guy. Why is he calling me? So I get his message. I call him back. His wife's left him. He wants to talk to me because he knows that my answer is going to be different than all his other friends because he actually wants to try to keep his marriage together. I didn't preach to him. I didn't do anything. I played hockey and I didn't punch somebody. That was it. Sometimes your non-believing friends want to hang out with you because you actually believe something different. They know. They know. It doesn't take a long time, Christian or non-Christian, to look at our society and know we're going sideways. This is the perfect opportunity to love on somebody. Love on them. Romans 5, 7, 8 says this. For scarcely 
for a righteous man, one will die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us that in, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for me when I was still a sinner. He died for every one of us. He died for those who still don't know him today. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to write down, whether on your phone, a scrap piece of paper, write down a name that you're going to pray for for the next few weeks. And that when you drop a postcard off in their door, when you stick a sign on your yard, they're going to probably approach you possibly and say, what's this? And you're able to lead them to Jesus right there. Can you hear my heart? This isn't about you bringing them here. Lord willing, they find a church somewhere. But you can lead them to Jesus right on your front lawn. You can lead them to Jesus in your living room. You don't need to bring them here. Now, we come together to encourage one another. If you're not sure what to do, invite them. But don't think that I think you have to get them here for them to be saved. No, you can do it at your house. You can do it in your backyard. You can do it in your front yard. You could even do it in their yard. We can do this. Don't let the roadblock stop us. Don't be worried what other people think. As long as you're influencing them, be brave. Walk into places that you think, maybe I shouldn't go. But if you know it's not going to influence you, dare to go. Jesus goes before you. David says, in the depths of hell, you're there. He's going to be with you. He's going to protect you. So whose name are you writing down? I encourage you this week, go for coffee, go for dinner, watch a game, watch a movie, go for a walk, hang out with somebody that's not a Christian. Even now, I won't be insulted, I'm closing. Pull out your phone and text somebody that's not a believer and ask them if they want to go for coffee. If you're not sure who to invite, scroll through your contacts. You've got to have a non-believer in there. If you don't have a non-believer in there, you really need to pray. And you really need to invite somebody. You know what, if you, if you scroll through your phone and you don't find a contact, somebody in your contacts that is a sinner, that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, today if you go to a restaurant, invite the waitress out. Ladies only. Guys, if it's a waiter, then you can invite him. <laughs> Not trying to hook up relationships here. Find somebody. Share Jesus. That's what he put us here for. Go into all the world, share the gospel. It's the last things he said to us. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that as we think about non believers, Lord, as we think about our coworkers and our neighbors and people that are away from you, Holy Spirit, break our hearts. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Let us see them through your eyes. Father, there's moments where, Lord, I'm thankful you don't let me see myself through your eyes. That you show me your joy and your pleasure and how happy you are with me. But Father, there's times I know I disappoint you. So Father, help us to know that they are just away from you. And we are here to draw them close to you. Help us to care more about the loss than our reputations. And Father, let us be witnesses for you. 
Guide us and protect us this week. Keep us safe, Father, as we go. Let us be a light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 